Also, I didn't know you liked Emmy, which is awesome. Oh my god, no, seriously, yeah. like I've told this anecdote a, a billion times. I tell everything like a billion times, but um, so like literally the the reason I went to Japan for the first time was to see like ABC's uh like yes. Johnny's Densetsu. Like the it wasn't the first run, unfortunately, it was the second run. But I was like over the moon because I had sent in a question to um, you know, when Johnny's had like Johnny's Web like in English, and you could submit like a question. And I submitted yeah, I totally one to, um, yeah, to Tsuka-chan, and he answered it, because I was like, I'm going to Japan for the first time to see ABC Zo. Where should I go? And he yes. answered <laughs> He answered me, and I was like, ah. Oh, my God. I probably read that, because <laughs> I used I used to subscribe to J-Web. Yeah. And I used to read, like, all their stuff. And I, I don't remember if I submitted any questions um, to Abby for that one, but I know I submitted some to Ken and Nagano for oh, yeah, yeah. Nico Ken and uh, Kurukuru. Yeah, it's always pretty, like, and I remember hearing, too, that, like, they deliberately picked people to do the translations that, like, were not fans, which I totally get. Yeah, yeah. And I approve of, like, you shouldn't right. have fans do Right, like, it's, it's a business thing. It should be, like, a business, right? Yeah, yeah. But... And, like, the stories that I've heard, you know, of stalker fans coming like foreigners you know oh yeah it's it's pretty bad so yeah oh definitely but anyway my notes are for this are pretty like i have a list of songs that says like original smile and sexy honey bunny so that was my first v6 concert was the sexy honey bunny tour oh my god well you yeah. know i like to open up every episode with a song so maybe we could start with um sexy honey bunny yeah I don't want to like force anything on you, but no, you're fine. I'll just I'll lean back for my microphone and just like be doing the dance to myself, <laughs> like recovered memories of my weekend in Sapporo for that one. <laughs> okay, well I will insert that uh, here. Sexy. it up and say uh welcome to everybody who's listening welcome to my podcast welcome to the idol cast and i have a special guest here with me today who um we've just met like basically this week because i read her excellent blog post all about um you know why it is that kimura takia is trending suddenly again now um and the history of johnny's entertainment and their digital 
presence, I guess, and I'll link to it. But um, yeah, so do you want to introduce yourself, special guest? Sure. So my name is Bridget. Um, Anyone listening to this in the Johnny's fandom probably knows me from the V6 fandom, although I was in the Odyssey fandom back in the day, and I've dabbled in a number of other groups. I have studied idols since college. Um, I started off um, getting into K-pop in about 2005, 2006, and then moved over into uh, J-pop through Boa and Ayumi and other artists like that. And then finally just gave in to Arashi in 2008, got into them for a long time, and then V6 in 2009. And um, I've studied a lot as far as just how the idol machine functions um, and just tracking their progress sort of as they're engaging and also not engaging the international fan base. So that was sort of the impetus for me writing this blog post this week was seeing Kimura in the news and my husband sending me this article and saying, you should write about this because they're going to talk about it and they need to know what they're talking about. So that's my whole deal. And that's, I mean, that's a huge problem. Um, really when anything idle trends in English because no one ever knows what they're talking about. And it's right. so frustrating. It's yeah. so frustrating. Yeah. And you try to tell people sort of just generally what Johnny's is. And the more you get into it, the more it feels like you're recounting a fever dream to someone. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, as a as an entertainment agency or like the product that they produce is so unlike anything we have in the West. Com- it, right. There's no, there's no equivalent to John. Right. Like I can try to explain to people like, okay, like I was a like OG New Kids on the Block fan. Like you can tell exactly how old I am. <laughs> Although I was very, very small at the time, but I was still very into New Kids on the Block. I think we're, if not right. the like, exact same age. I feel like age. everybody listening to this is probably <laughs> a certain age, which is fine, and I welcome that. Um, I'm glad you're still around, but I think you try to put it in those contexts, especially as you start to talk about groups um, who are breaking into the American music scene more and more, um, and you try to frame it in terms of like, oh, do you remember Menudo? Do you remember this group? Do you remember this group? Well, it's kind of like that. And you have to, like, you try to put it in a certain context so that they have a certain context, but you're also um, chopping, screwing, and kind of flattening the context in which these groups already exist and the way in which the fans engage with them and the way in which their um, management agencies and everyone who, like, is involved in that, like, engages with them and with the broader public who doesn't know them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. And uh, yeah, I I think that's like the perfect metaphor is that, you know, you are chopping off and it's kind of like, um, you know, the original Grimm Brothers um, version of Cinderella where the ugly stepsisters literally chop off like their toes and their heel to fit the foot into the glass slipper. Right. I feel like that's like what happens when most people are, you know, non-experts, I guess, or non-enthusiasts right. try to try to capture what it is in idol fandom and bring it into sort of an English context because you just miss all of these pieces. And um, that's why I was so like happy when I saw that post. I was like, wow, <laughs> oh, she knows what she's talking about. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, because the problem I feel like, especially like, both in like journalism as like as a discipline and also even academia everyone's just referencing everyone else 
So the conventional wisdom remains the conventional wisdom. Yeah. Um, I know there's been a lot of fans who've been in um, idol communities because I remember back when I was more active and when Live Journal was still a thing, where fans would be like, "Hey, just a heads up, I'm doing this project. Um, I legally have to tell you that I'm doing this project and I'm creeping on all of you. So just keep that in mind." Yeah, and well, and then everyone would get really like upset too. I remember that. Right, just like, well, you're putting this stuff on the internet, so yeah. there, that's there. Um, I mean, the internet is forever, but also there's a problem, and I've been thinking about this this week in terms of gatekeeping information, not in terms of like keeping information from people, but in the anthropological sense, where you have someone who has to say, okay, this is the context in which all of these things exist. So like when someone is first getting into uh, a fandom and you're like, okay, so here's the group and right, like here's their whole thing and here's where you find all this information. No one in journalism is really there doing that or might not have those contexts. And if they do, it's a very like rigid context for those things. So they're getting this person's perspective as an expert and it's, it's not a watering down. It just feels like a flattening of everything. So what we understand as a broader public in terms of how certain like K-pop groups or this and that are breaking into other markets is very much shaped by how people are framing it to the people who are transmitting the information. So part of my thing was, okay, I understand how this functions and where this has come from. And I need you to understand this broader context so you can understand exactly why this issue right here is an issue right now. Because I could just say, oh, it's a problem of likenesses, but it's not going to get across what we really mean when we say, no, Johnny's really wants to have this control over the likeness of basically their property. Because that's what they're selling to us. Um, Exactly. I'm in the middle of a really great book that came out earlier this year. That's um, a history of mill idol groups in Japan. The author mentions Johnny's in particular as the idea of like the Owatanai idol, like the idol that never ends. Yeah. And, you know, Kimura Takia, who's the one member of SMAP that stayed at Johnny's, like, you know, he is the idol that never ended. You know, his image is that's that's what they've been selling for 30 years. I mean, that's what they're trading on. And to let it out sort of into the open, that's kind of, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for them. Right. Especially when you have someone like Kimura and SMAP in general, who basically pioneered that image of the Orana idol, where, right, like Hikaru Genji broke up for very special reasons, right? Like Shonen Tai just stopped releasing music. Machi bailed to go auto racing, right? So that wasn't a thing until SMAP was there and SMAP just got more and more popular and kept doing, doing, doing more and more things. And they became the, basically the models for all these other groups to be able to continue to do their thing going on and on and on. Yeah. And to keep this like going with them. Which is, I mean, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. I mean, because, I mean, idols traditionally, you know, K-pop, boy bands, they're young. It's a, it's a, you know, it it was like capturing like the flower of youth. Yeah. Um, I mean, Johnny Kitagawa for his own reasons, but he, he loved the, that, that the, the beauty of male youth and yeah, like to have that, but then say like, well, okay, we're going to keep this popularity. We're going to keep people invested. We're going to grow. 
we're going to develop into adults, um, but still keep something about that glamour, that glamour, the mystery, the relationship with the fans, and we're going to keep it going. Yeah, that's very special, this map. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of it, too, is just the way that as these groups mature, like as you talked about, like, we're going to grow, we're going to do that. But when you have these younger members, especially like if you get into junior fandom, um, you they're well they're basically they're like a tabula rasa right you can basically maybe not project maybe that's not the word i'm looking for um but you can kind of paint your own ideas and expectations on them so the idea of the idol in general like in the academic sense being someone who is close to you in terms of if you work hard enough you can do this too or you could be their friend like that's very much there for both the younger groups and the groups as they get older. So like when V6 at concerts talk about like, oh, how happy they are to see all these fans who've been with them from the beginning, who are married and who have kids and who keep coming back and who bring their kids and talk about how special that is to them, right? Like that's a whole new context for idols in general, but it's definitely something that SMAP was a huge part of. and helped shape how Johnny's and the idol industry in general um, not just deals with those, but helps make that part of the group's image and the idol's image. you can understand idol culture or idols in general without understanding SMAP which is why it's really funny to me when you know you see these alleged k-pop experts that don't know what Johnny's entertainment is and I'm like "Mm." (laughs) right or they don't think it's important to the k-pop context yes and like we can have this big long discussion about disparate um like music industries and disparate entertainment industries. And we can talk about um, the dictatorship of Park Chung-hee and how that shaped music in Korea in general um, and how people are just now discovering that, you know, pop music wasn't a thing for a long time, which I'm not going to throw any shade on, right? Like everyone discovers that at some point, I'm not going to gatekeep knowledge, but there's sort of, um, and I mentioned this before, it's kind of a bewildered Orientalism, Mm, where you're projecting back on so for people who don't know orientalism is where you see something in like a foreign context um edward said had 
um, to this if you want to read about it. It's very important um, to understand sort of how the West looks at the East. So where the West looks at the East, and I'm, these are all air quotes, and they see what the East is, and then they tell the East what the East is. So it's the same kind of context that's going back on to um, right, like the East. So what we, air quotes, we are seeing in terms of like K-pop journalism or K-pop academia, where they're not considering the broader context in which all of these things exist, right? Like you don't even have to take it back to Park Chung-hee, you can take it back to the 90s where Korean media properties start to be licensed in other um, areas, especially of Asia, because the Japanese ones are getting too expensive. Yeah. So you can't not consider how idol groups especially have influenced how Korean idol groups function, especially when you have Korean idols themselves saying, oh, we looked at this group. Oh, we watched this group. You have Johnny's groups going over to Korea and SMAP going to China to do concerts, right? Like it's it's not a bubble. These things, like they interplay in ways that you can't just break down in a 500 word explainer on um right like a news website yeah like on vox or whatever right i was gonna say vox but but it's true though and and i think that this is like it gets to the heart of the problem and one of the reasons i was so like happy to find you was that so much information especially in k-pop journalism k-pop academia it's totally siloed and so these people they don't look at anything outside of what they've been kind of sold is like this is k-pop and so it doesn't occur to them that fukuoka is only like a short ferry ride away from busan and you know even though japanese music was banned there's a thing called the black market (laughs) like um but yeah and it's so it's like the idea that k-pop exists in this monogamous relationship with america is just ridiculous um so i did a whole episode on like the taiwanese wave of dramas that came out in the early 2000s and i'm like you can't understand you know where a drama like boys over flowers the the korean one came from without knowing about meteor garden and f4 and the trendy dramas of of the 90s in japan like it's all connected and like it's not you know you can't just say that korea exists in this bubble you know, right. Japan or, is right or, there, yeah. Taiwan is right there, Southeast <laughs> exactly. Asia is right there. Right. Um, it's all connected. Right, like if you're trying to explain like, er- well, even like early modern, like even the early modernization period, yeah. right, where you have these flows from, flows of culture, right, from China into Korea, from Japan into Korea, from China into Japan, right? Yeah. You have all these things just throughout history where all of these cultures that are like close to each other, Right, like they t- they adopt and adapt, right? Like that's what you learn in like your Japan history 101 class, right? Adoption, adaptation. So you can't just say, oh, this thing exists only in this context, right? And you can't say something like, oh, K-pop is finally making it big because it's breaking into the American market right. because that just completely misses the point of the Korean entertainment project and the Korean nation branding project. Right. Like it's not just the United States. The United States is probably the biggest get, but they've been doing all these concerts overseas for ages. And it's the stuff that Johnny's fans have been screaming into the abyss 
for so long that Johnny needs to do instead of just going over once for the Asian music festival where like Hamasaki Ayumi like went over yeah and like V6 went over Arashi went over right like that's the kind of stuff where like they start to dabble and you're like it's happening it's happening it's never happening the more I've dug into the history like I think a lot of that was just Johnny himself and I mean he was in America oh it was absolutely 100% (laughs) in America boo but What's interesting is I think Takizawa like gets it because if you look at Snowman, he has built this group that really in a lot of ways like kind of pulls from what K-pop has been doing to, I mean, to even yeah. send them over to Thailand. Like that was their first big yeah, like, I mean, promotional like, thing was in Thailand. Like I don't like, want to say it was exactly like 2 p.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was the same kind of model that 2 p.m. Yeah. Like really, really like. Um, they didn't pioneer it, but they definitely perfected that model yeah. of having like, oh, we're going to have this guy who does this. And oh, we're going to have this guy who does this. Yeah. And they all do well in this main context. So that's great that they're successful here. But we have this immediate in, we have this insider who can sort of get us in the door over there. And their half-time member, Mukai Koji, does double duty because he's also, um, he was a Kansai junior. Yep. So yeah, yeah, he's got that in too, which is yeah. nice. Yeah, I've been very, I've been getting more into Snowman lately. Oh, Snowman are so, great. I love Snowman. Um, that's where a lot of the V6 fans are starting to go because we're like, okay, well, we can't just leave. So we need another group. Oh, look, there's Snowman. <laughs> Snowman, are, I mean, I've been following them for years because yeah. um, they were like ABCZ's like junior group for a lot of years. So I've been well aware of Snowman for a long time. What's my secret? Taki definitely gets it both in terms of right, like how he structured these groups and how he's marketing them and how he's also um, like making this foray into the internet, right? Like it's very deliberate. They're taking their time, but they're, they want to get it right instead of just, Hey guys, I guess we're on the internet now. Yeah. Let's just put out, let's just dump out some content. Right. Like Johnny died. Let's all get a Twitter account. Like that seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Like, I mean, starting with Japanica style, I mean, that, MV that Taki did like that was just a revelation really because it it synthesized kind of his whole thing which when I just think Takisawa I think um dumping of sakura petals like from like the scene right and like flying over the stage <laughs> and water everywhere and just very big theatrical productions well, in the sense of theater not yeah. like 
not in the sense of spectacle in the way that yeah, we would yeah, think yeah. of idol concerts, but in the sense of um, like traditional theater. Yes, he 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 like has this vision of kind of this melding of classic sort of stage entertainment and like a modern pop sensibility, which I find very appealing. So I, I no, was absolutely yeah. thrilled when he took over as like vice president. Exactly, especially like being able to. Um, like I said, like guide the agency and also like teach the stagecraft and teach uh, how, right. Like how you put on a good show, right. Like not necessarily just like lots of blinky flashy lights and pretty costumes, but how you truly entertain someone and maintain their attention and keep them coming back, which I think is something um, that Johnny's have just done an exemplary job of over the years and where everyone in the agency is looking at what everybody else is doing and saying, okay, that's really cool. I want to do that. Where you have like members of Snowman who are talking to members from V6, especially Ken now, of, oh, I want to do that. Or Sexy Zone talking to them. Or, um, right, like people watching Odyssey concerts and saying, hey, that moving stage, yeah, let's do that too. Like, or the V Road, things like that, where you have to understand. Again, it's all a matter of context where these younger groups are taking from the older groups and bringing it to a new generation and they make it their own and i, I think yeah, exactly. that's and that's and something it's, it's improving on it yeah and i think also in like these buzzwords of originality and authenticity they don't actually mean anything they, no it's it's and, that's the gatekeeping knowledge yeah, thing oh yeah. it's not authentic right it's the stuff that i would have arguments with my friends about at parties at three in the morning where it's like, no, idol music isn't authentic. Like, okay, then define authenticity to me. Right. Well, and authenticity has always just been a buzzword. There's no such thing. I mean, and this is the no. the example I always use because I am an OG uh, musician, biography reader uh, from like one of the first books I remember, like first grown up books I remember reading was like a history of Motown. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and so, and I was like a Beatles fangirl as like a teen and, um, you know, the Beatles, like with Brian Epstein, like they all got, uh, the same haircut and they had like special suits made. And they knew, Mm -hmm. yeah, right. Like everyone has their own stagecraft. They fired the original drummer and hired Ringo Ringo. on like the, on like, because the, their manager said so. And like, is that authentic? Like, okay. Right. And they wanted to make music, but they also wanted to like not like be popular in the sense like oh i'm gonna be a big star but just like oh yeah we could like we can improve this and we can make it better and we can do it. and you just look at like the production of motown like people wanted to do moat like they wanted to go to barry gordy because he knew what he was doing yeah
as a teenager listening to death metal, right? Like I can't understand where death metal came from if I don't understand the history of rock and roll. Like I, like I can enjoy it, but I need to understand like, okay, like these drum beats, like that's the kind of stuff that came from all these other concepts and all these other contexts. Yeah. And that's what I find so interesting too, when I see um, sort of foreigners try to come at Asian idol music asian pop music because that's they they don't have all the right context and you know you try to understand some of these songs coming out in the 90s or the without knowing like kayo kyoku and like or trot and yeah or um sort of the korean love of heavy metal and i i don't know like i don't no, but there's it, it's also the um, it's also the um, adoption of rap music through acts like Drunken Tiger, right, where you're taking these things um, and you can't understand how um, like Korean rap or even like Okinawan rap in Japan became a thing without understanding sort of how these societies are structured. And I feel like when it comes to journalism, like academia could do a much better job of this. They could like, do so you have this job. space. Right. Like, don't even think about reviewer two. Don't think about what reviewer two is going to say about your paper. Just go for it. But for journalism, you have the tools to convey this knowledge. The question is, what kind of knowledge are you trying to convey? Are you trying to say, okay, this is the actual history. Like, this is what happened. This is what you need to understand to understand K-pop. Or is it, I need a very quick, just sort like, give me a quick explainer on how K-pop got to where it is now. So I can sort of sound like, like I know what I'm talking about when I'm at the barbecue and my friend's kids are obsessed with BTS. And I can be like, hello, fellow kids. Did you know? Like it's, <laughs> it's that kind of thing, right? Like, it, oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> well, cause the, well, the example I always use and he's totally been erased from all memory in English um, is Hyunjin Young. And, you know, I mean, Lee Suman like deliberately was looking for people who could do the Roger Rabbit. Now, why could this Korean kid do the Roger Rabbit? Um, because there was a military base like in his backyard. Right, <laughs> right, and it's the same thing with Japanese popular music, where you look yeah. at the history of Johnny's, right? Like, and you look at the history of popular music in Japan, right? Like every every culture throughout history has had its quote unquote popular music. Yeah, but when you have the taking um and the sampling from other cultures and you have these things start to filter in especially through american military bases yeah right like that's where some of like i don't want to attribute it all to that like i don't because that's the same problem of saying like oh k-pop is this because this but it's definitely something that has to be taken into account like i yeah like i don't think you can minimize the impact of having a military base in your backyard right it, or like just, right like or korean americans going back and forth or even koreans going yes. overseas to study well i mean um, why was right, Suman even in la in the first place right like why know? was johnny <laughs> why was johnny right. an american in the first place yeah yeah and then you have acts who are like 
and you also consider like the legacy of colonialism in some of these places right Mm -hmm. so for a lot of it like when you have these um debates about authenticity it's about okay how much of the artist are we the consumer getting out of it right like if i listen to an artist like idols right like if i'm listening to this post-punk if i'm listening to fontaine's dc what am i being able to take from and read into the person who's writing this and the problem i feel like with authenticity and the authenticity quote-unquote debate is when you have something that's more visibly heavily produced it's harder to ascribe and to sort of paint your own both expectations and ideas about this person right like there's this level of abstraction that i don't know if it turns people off but i think it definitely hinders how people experience music and the craft that this person is selling. I wonder how much of this too has to deal with Americans or Westerners, our lack of ability to remove ourselves. Like a suspension of disbelief almost. Exactly. Like our, our inability to suspend disbelief. And I mean, I, I, spent years and years in Bollywood circles. Yeah. Like years and years and years. And that was something that I was always frustrated with was people would watch it and be like, well, well, why are they singing? And I'm like, well, you know. Why were Gilbert and Sullivan writing musicals? Like, (laughs) Like, that's just how these films are structured. Like the songs serve a purpose in the plot and you have to be able to, to, look at this and say like okay well this actor isn't literally singing this song in the context of the film it's not his voice it doesn't that that doesn't matter it's 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 about the emotion it's about what the, the song is trying to convey that's the authentic part like those feelings are authentic um if they inspire emotion in you and i i think like with idols it's kind of similar in that like you know arashi can have a song about um, or SMAP can have a song about like believing in yourself or, you know, there's only one you in the world. And right. it's not that like they didn't write it. Um, and it, that is them singing. Um, although I'm sure Nakai's mic is always kept at a reasonable volume. But, uh, you know, it's not it doesn't matter. Like that doesn't matter if it inspires something in you. Like if their voices reach you, then that's the important part. Right. Like when you have Bollywood movies or even just like musicals in general, right? Like you have these filmic devices the same way that you had soliloquies in Shakespeare plays, right? Like no one's going to say that's not authentic. So when it comes to a solo in a Johnny song, right? Like that's stirring the same emotion in you, right? Like it's a Johnny's concert is basically the catharsis of a play like on a larger scale, right? Like everyone's still like crammed into the globe the old globe watching these performers perform for you and get these emotions out of you it's it's the same thing it's just done in a different way so right like if and i think this is the problem of what we define as music in general Mm. is music elicits a response in us that we may not understand but it still elicits a response in us so when you try to define what music is or is not Part of that is a minimization of what the music does to the listener, right? Like whether or not you like it, 
that like that's fine. You're free to not like anything you want, right? Like it's a free country. It's your right. But to say like, oh, this shouldn't elicit this response in you, or this isn't as real as if you listened to X, Y, or Z, right? Like that is maybe not deliberate, but a definite subconscious sort of minimization of what is a real phenomena for a lot of people and a real thing that they enjoy. Um, And like I was listening to your first episode where you were talking about like following sports teams and it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Where if you follow a college football team and you invest a lot of your time and your emotion and your energy in that, like you have the same sort of fandom in college football circles, in NFL circles. Um, You have, right, like you have TIFO at, um, at soccer games where everyone's there and they're chanting and they're singing and they're getting involved. And it's, it's the same, it's, it's the same call and response. It's just a different medium. So people are more likely to, qu- to quote unquote, take it seriously. soccer fan I mean that's where I you know I like I pulled that from like having gone to uh, MLS games for you know 20 years um it you know you feel that same kind of fandom in the stadium that you do in a Johnny's concert um or depending on where you are <laughs> like in a k-pop show right exactly and it's, it's yeah. yeah and it pulls you in and it gets you invested and, and I think a lot of what outsiders don't necessarily understand is that it's not like, you know, for, for longtime fans, um, it's not necessarily about you and the artist on stage as it's more about you being part of that crowd. And um, I mean, some of the coolest experiences I've had have been going to like ABCZ shows um, over the course of like um, three days at... Yoyogi, um, uh, the stadium, Yoyogi Arena, whatever. Yoyogi. Yoyogi. I mean, Yoyogi First National Gymnasium is like the proper name, but I mean, (laughs) (laughs) semantics at this point. Uh, Yeah, and it's been closed for a while, I think. But, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, like, because they're a small group, like they would do like three shows there, and I would right, which is still huge, which is still huge. A group like Abby. And I would go to all three, and over the course of three nights, you would feel like the audience learn the ins and outs of the concert, 
and um, you know, pick up all the calls and responses. We would pick up the moments in the show where we needed to react. And so by that third show, we were just like a finely oiled machine. And it was like, that's just such a cool feeling. And you feel that too, like um, at a soccer game, you know, you go to handful of different show like shows uh matches and you know you pick up the chance and you pick up oh this is where we all yell at the goalie (laughs) right and it's the same thing that you have at um at soccer games like both here like at mls or if you go um like i went to the women's world cup in 2014 um up in vancouver it's the same thing where you feel like you're part of a crowd you feel like you're you're there with everyone. Everyone's making a difference, especially if you're part of a supporters group. And it's the same thing at a concert, especially when a group debuts a new song, right? Like you talked about where like, oh, you're picking up like, oh, this is where they want us to like raise our hands up. Or if you're a new fan and you're there and you've got your Uchiwa and you're like raising it above the level of your shoulder and a fan nicely taps next to you, which like this happened in front of me and we're like my friend and I are in the back. We're like, okay, who's going to tell them? Right, the stuff that you don't know, like, oh, you don't raise your hands up like this, like you keep it like at the level of your shoulders so everyone can see and everyone can enjoy the concert. Yeah, and I, I've been at, um, I was at a, um, a BTS concert and um, standing with a brand new friend that I'd met that day because that's what you do at idol shows, you meet brand new friends. And um, yeah, there were these two girls in front of us. She was more of um, our age and there were these two like teenagers in front of us who were just like not they weren't they weren't doing anything bad but they were just they didn't have good uh, concert manners and she kind of just was like she tapped him on the shoulder and was like hey look uh just so we can all enjoy the show like this is what you're supposed to do and I mean they, they were pretty receptive um right but yeah like that's that's sort of the it, it makes you feel like you're part of a community as I think about just like um like internet fandom, especially around idols in general, for like you need someone, like you don't need need, but you definitely have to have a spirit of being receptive and being willing to be corrected and understand like, okay, like both in terms of like, where do I find this stuff? And oh, that's not something that you do, especially like in this community. Like you need someone to like help guide you. And then you just pass it along. Exactly. Like when I bring someone else along, I'm like, okay, here's how it's going to go. And, and what I have seen since I've started kind of following English language um, fandom, especially since BTS has gone mainstream, is that the people that are kind of setting the tone really don't know what they're talking about and aren't familiar with existing fan practices. And um, it's, it's just been frustrating. It's like how um, One Direction fandom kind of brought things like um shipping and fanfic and all that kind of stuff into the mainstream right where it really wasn't before right like this Um, is the stuff people are doing since star trek fandom it's just like oh you've discovered it now so it must be a new thing yeah and and all these subculture practices that had been gatekept not necessarily into like keep people out but just to kind of make sure that we were all following the rules and like keeping healthy fandom practices um, all that was blown up, and I think with BTS kind of going mainstream, they've taken a lot of this stuff and just said, hey, do whatever you want, and I, yeah. Right, and, like, that's where I, th- that's where I think about, like, where it's, right, like, this bewildered Orientalism where they're looking at, like, yeah. but why did they do that? Oh, I want, and then you try to ascribe it to something 
um, especially when you try to ascribe it to something like concrete, especially saying like this, okay, this might not make perfect sense, but when you try to ascribe it to something specifically Asian, which it is, but not understanding that like the same sort of thing exists in lots of um, like boy band idol group fandom throughout the world. It's just more well, it's not just controlled, like have, but like, more just like, yeah, like a... you have a lot more of these fans who are there saying like, oh, this is what we do at this part. This is what we do at this part. Yeah. Whereas what, like when I went to see NKOT BSB back in 2011, um, a, it was a lot more just like free form. Like you, like people sort of envision a boy band concert. Like it's sort of like that. But when I go to a Johnny's concert, it's a lot more like respectful when I go to K-pop concerts. Right. Like you still have fans like running like from the other side of the stadium because they see Taeyong coming from the other side of the stadium and they want to meet him. And then you sitting in the center don't get to meet Taeyong because those people ruined it for you. Right. Like it's it's that kind of thing. is something i've experienced so i mean i was <laughs> forced out of bts fandom but um i went to eight bts concerts um in america in europe and in korea and i had a completely different experience um in each one yes. and yes it, to me that's um so in korea i went to the so it was the opening of like the love yourself concerts like tour yeah. and um i would say at i would say about half conservatively like half the crowd was from japan <laughs> because oh, they yeah. did they oh, did yeah. they did the concert announcements in korean and japanese mm-hmm. um and i sat next to a very nice lady from osaka like that first night and <laughs> she was a jimin fan but um and was thrilled when she realized she could talk to me. But, you know, it was very much like a Japanese Idol concert, except that we sat. We didn't stand. Right. Um, it, but then in America, it was much more like a free-for-all boy band concert. Right. Like, it's three hours of catharsis. Yeah. Donuts. Yeah. Like, you're peeing in your seat. Like, the Beatles right. are at Shea Stadium. Like, right. there's like urine flowing like, down the The only aisles. reason they can hear themselves is because they have earpieces now because the Beatles <laughs> stopped touring because they couldn't hear themselves because they didn't have earpieces. Basically, yeah. And then in Europe, it was incredibly surreal. It was 
it was like being at like a play almost like there was no like there was no noise like everyone was just like watching quietly um like maybe 25 percent of the audience had um the light sticks pen lights you know it was just very it was bizarre um there was like no sound it was it was like i don't know it was very strange um but yeah like there are different ways to be at a concert and i think that these groups when they put on these shows like i I think for the most part they're expecting like a japanese or korean audience that they're used to right yeah that they're used to they want fans to know this is where you chant this is where you know you wave your lights around like at this point we all sit and we listen to you talk (laughs) like like that's just how it goes and um yeah the american concerts like i think because i've been to a fair number of k-pop shows in america and it's i think i don't know like i always go and then i'm always disappointed because it just feels like a cash grab and like you see like the half-assed performances for the most part and like the stage like they don't bring over like the big sets and you're kind of like i paid like all this money for this like really i could have just gone and seen them in tokyo (laughs) it would have been a better show seen bts fans in particular bragging about like oh global sold out stadium tour like mm, you know that i was at the rose bowl in la um for that that opening of like the love yourself speak yourself tour whatever you know that sixty thousand people that was in that stadium that's a different 60,000 people that would come out to see like a taylor swift who could pull a different 60,000 in san francisco portland Seattle um you know what I mean like this and across the country where the 60,000 in LA I mean I I was there like I was literally there a lot of fans from China Japan Southeast Asia Mexico um all up and down the west coast I mean myself um a lot of fans that I I ran into fans that I'd seen at other concerts that's a lot of repeat customers. <laughs> like right. that's not a discreet sixty thousand people. Right. Like you're still getting their money, but you're getting a lot of money from the same people. And yes. also, when you're doing yeah. venues in the United States, like whether you're doing the Rose Bowl over in LA or you're doing Madison Square Garden, you're still limited by what you can do in the arenas themselves. Right. So the same concert that you could put on at Yoyogi or at the Olympic Stadium out in Jumshu, right, is not the same 
that you could put on at Madison Square Garden were not the same that you could put on at Wembley. Yeah. And it's also, it doesn't necessarily represent those, even though it's a big number, that number doesn't mean the same thing as a a different artist in there pulling from a domestic audience. Right. Like you're not going to have as many drag alongs to a BTS concert as you might have to a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah. Like you can't, like it's harder to go up to your buddy. Like it definitely happens, but it's harder to go up to your buddy and say, hey, my friend canceled tonight. Do you want to come see Taylor Swift with me and have them understand like, oh, I'm familiar with Taylor Swift. I understand this versus going up like, "Uh, do you want to go to BTS with me? And then have it for them be like a definite spectacle. Whereas Taylor Swift, you're like, okay, like I know this. I know some of the songs like she's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and and it's the same it's the same for Johnny's in a lot of ways, you know, it's the same for any idol group. I don't know, like going to a Johnny show as a a complete outsider is a totally different experience than going to like, you know, Oh, Hey, you want to go see Mr. Children or like the bees, you know, or um, Southern all-stars. Like there'll definitely be things that you need to know, but it's, it's not the same level of, Right, no, like there's like there's, the bar there's is a less lot of a barrier. To, yeah, there's a yeah, less less yeah. of a barrier to entry yeah. if you go to a Dreams Come True concert versus yes. if you go to like well, a you're never gonna get tickets to an Odyssey concert. Um, no, no, unless in maybe. general, yeah. but right, but um, but versus oh, going I to like a, a B six concert or something. Wanna say hi? Say hi. 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 <laughs> it's Auntie time. I have a visitor. Here, Grandma. Yeah, okay, here. Okay, we're gonna go put baby food back on. You're gonna close the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. How's my little niece? <laughs> oh. Yeah, my husband took my kids out, so <laughs> they're getting they're getting lunch, and he's texting me updates. Oh yay. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I've been to um, I've been to different idol shows. I've been to different concerts in japan and korea mm-hmm. um and it's it's a totally different experience yeah like the boa show that i went to like it was kind of the same like everybody had light sticks and there was like some call and response but it was definitely different from the experience that my friend told me about when she saw arashi that year which is 2008 right where she went and she was like then coming back and telling me about like, sort of how this functions so then when i started going to shows later I could tell other people like, oh yeah, my friend said this, my friend said this, my friend said this. Yeah, I mean, there's there's choreography you have to know. Because, um, oh, another one, I saw Carrie Pemi Pemu in Japan, and I saw Carrie Pemi Pemu in New York. And totally different vibes yeah. like, for each one. And I remember going into the, it was at like Zep, it was on Odaiba, like um, one of the Zep venues on Odaiba. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so like, I went in Again, this was like my first trip to Japan. I knew nothing. And <laughs> I like walked in having seen Carrie Pemi Pemi like in New York. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know what to expect. And no. And I was standing like um, right next to these two like teen fanboys. And they knew all the dances. And I was just standing there like, Buh. like I'm a foreigner. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like that, that was me. That was part of why I didn't go to um, any Hello Projects concerts when i or hello project apostrophe yeah. s concerts when i lived over there despite being like huge into hello project for years before i got into johnny's because it's the same level of fandom but it's just so like it's on a different level so you still have the same call and response 
and you have this and that, but everybody knows like where to yell out for this member or where to do this specific phrase, like where to call that back out. That definitely feels like a bigger barrier to entry where you definitely have to do a lot of your like research at home or going to shows and just kind of hanging in the back. Just being like, what's going on at this part? What's going on at this part? Before you can really feel like you're part of it or having someone to just be like, okay, lights stick up now. Lights stick up now. too that like as a foreigner and an outsider people are really wary of you when you go into these concerts and um the difference like immediately like people that I've sat next to when they realize that number one like I understand that they can talk to me (laughs) but number two like I know what I'm doing um and that I'm not just like sitting there like a bump on a log but like I'm an active part of the crowd like the difference is night and day and people right exactly open up I've had that same experience Mm -hmm. yeah 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 like with some like aunties in front of me like when we were at when we had floor seats for v6 in 2013 everyone just kind of eyeing each other like okay where are you from where are you from and then like being able to like sort of chime in to their conversation and sort of like get in there or like talk to the Korean fans next to me in Korean. Like, no, it's okay. Like we understand what we're doing. We're cool. And, um, and I have to say that I've had that experience, um, like going to see Takarazuka as well. And this is, and I've, I really want to do an episode on Takarazuka because I, I feel like the fandom is so tied into Johnny's oh my God. like specifically, but I mean, I used Jennifer Robertson's work on Takabazuka with my work on Johnny's and Hello Project because for like a number of years and probably still like her big book on Takabazuka and the fandom and just taking people seriously in their in their emotions and what they feel about right what they feel about gender in terms of femininity masculinity what it makes them feel right like this idea of um like affect slash a parasocial relationship with the performers being invested in them as um right like they go to tight on right like all of this stuff like she takes that seriously like there's no era being dismissive about it she's like okay these are what this is what these people are saying let's get into that it's one of the better works on fandom that i found and i wish there was that for like other things but it's the same kind of fandom i have johnny's friends who've gone into Zuka fandom. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very similar in a lot of ways. And I mean, I've, I've gone to see a handful of um, Takarazuka. Like I go, like I try to go every time I visit Japan um, more than once. I did like, <laughs> I did a double show of Elizabeth like a couple years ago. And that was in, that was intense. That was intense. But um, yeah, like it's very much like they've got, 
a lot of set rules of, um, you know, here's where you wait. You can take pictures if you stand here, but if you wait here, you can give a letter, but only if you're like part of this fan club and you got to talk to like the fandom, like you got to talk to like the, the president and, or you got to talk to someone that knows someone like you can't just show up. And then here's like, when you go into the theater, you can buy a ticket and just go to a com a um, performance. But if you really want to like experience the full thing, like you got to like talk to the, the fans and you can get like the fan tickets and they come in like a nice little envelope that says like, thank ah. you, like from the star. <laughs> like, right. Right. Know. Like it's, it's a totally different experience mm -hmm. going to a play in Japan. I like I don't want to say there's no academic curiosity about it, but well, it definitely I think there is no academic curiosity. I mean, about I think it, there isn't. I, there really like, isn't. Like, yeah, like there's an academic curiosity in terms of like, okay, what is this? But there's a lack of curiosity in terms of okay, so what does this mean? Right? Like, what does this mean to the people who are in it, and what does this mean about just even just like how we as as like a species experience emotion connection things like that like how do we seek out community what are we looking for when we go to these shows try to meet these people make friends experience everything that's happening right like structure our lives around certain things whether that's like oh i'm gonna fly across the country to go see a play or i'm gonna fly across the world to see a show or i'm gonna stay up till three in the morning to watch this concert that's finally being live streamed yeah and what I've experienced just sort of looking for articles and because um, I mean I'm, I am a librarian like literally um, looking for sources is that a lot of times like there's no I don't know I don't know if 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 academics and journalists looking into well k-pop just because that's like the bigger thing right now but like if they don't understand that you have to experience it like, if you didn't know that Nisei Theater in where a lot of these Johnny shows are held is literally like 25 feet from the Takarazuka Dai Gekijo, which is literally across the street from Theater Kriye, you know, all in, like, in, in the Takarazuka fans are indistinguishable from the Johnny's fans. Indistinguishable. Except which side of the street they're lined up right. on. And there's like a huge Venn diagram too of people who like go to both of them. Yeah. I think part of it too, like A, it's not written down is a big thing. Um, part of that, and this is, it can also be attributed to me being very bitter about it, but when someone in academia tries to study these things, no one wants to take it seriously because there are quote unquote more important things to study. Like two things can be true at once, right? Like we can study water rights in, let's say, even in California. And we can also try to understand how people are dealing with their daily life by getting into these different fandoms and finding meaning in certain things. I mean, it's the same thing in sports journalism. Well, maybe not sports journalism, but definitely sports academia. I don't know. Like, I still think it's pretty wild that K-pop academia, K-pop journalists take as fact press releases and publicity material. Right. <laughs> and I'm right. Like, do you that... not understand how this works? Right. Like, especially when if you take a source, like if you're taking an academic source, let's say you're taking someone 
from like the mid 1800s, you're not just going to take what they say as gospel. The K-pop scholars working in English, I think to a large extent are like, no, they just mean exactly what they say they mean. And I'm not going to I'm not going to, like, put any further thought into it. It's the same thing as, like, a lack of suspension of disbelief. Like, <laughs> yes. you can't, like, when, if you have, like, let's say a government representative talking about, like, how stoked they are that Korean properties are so popular overseas, it's like, yeah, they're stoked because it's also going to make them money. They're going to get <laughs> tourism over it. They're going to get, right, like, they're going to be more popular and seen as cool in the eyes of the youths who have lots of disposable income in a lot of cases, right? Like, it's not, like, there's no just, like, yeah, we're excited. Like, why are you excited? Like, you're not interrogating this. <laughs> well, and just the idea, too, that, like, um, you know, oh, a number one, like, on my streaming chart in Spotify, like, in India, means something when, you know, Spotify is used by, like, a tiny fraction of the people in India um, most people are using domestic streaming services. People that use Spotify are probably, you know, Western adjacent, you know, want to listen right. to like Western artists because those are on Spotify, um, you know, or the number one on Spotify in Korea is, again, the same thing. Um, most people are using domestic services or the idea that like, well, going back to numbers again, right? Like, so those 60,000 people in the arena, you can say, yes. These are 60,000 people in this arena in LA in the Rose Bowl for BTS. Um, that's great. But, you know, what do those 60,000 people represent? And or like when you look at um, the charts, you look at the number one record. Oh, OK. It's um, AKB48 who sold three million records. But what do those three million records represent? Is it, you know, like... A small number of people buying 500 albums each so that they can get the handshake tickets or is this like a broadly popular Or group? you're voting for like who's going to be the center at the next thing. So yeah. you have to buy like 15 copies yeah. just to get your vote for your O sheet. Like right. it's that's it's there's not, no like yeah. there's no understanding of it and there's no willingness yeah. And there's no all these numbers are taken at like complete face value. There's no digging down into like right. So like the idea that like so Japan, for the most part, does not like they haven't adopted Japan's fandoms have not adopted the practice of zombie streaming, which is why when a fandom that does zombie stream, um, zombie streams, those songs float to the top because nobody else is doing that. Right. Like you just this year had artists start to get on international streaming services. Yeah. So it's still, yeah. it's just, it's not a thing. It's and not part of thing. this too, right. And part of this too, like I'm going to go completely off topic here, but part of it too, is that the Japanese market still in the year of our Lord, 2021 exists for itself. It doesn't need to be popular overseas. And if it is popular overseas, they do they want to do it on their own terms. Right, and, it's a bonus. Yeah. Right, like you have stuff like Cool Japan that's been going since like <laughs> the late two thousands. You had Viuden <laughs> doing the song Katsuize Japan, like it's Cool Japan. It's so yeah. Cool Japan, right? Like to promote this idea of Cool Japan. But twenty years after people like after otaku and like other anime fans and people like this kept coming overseas, and Japan's like people are really interested in Japan. Maybe we should make money off of should we do something we should probably do something about well, this what, what i find fascinating though is that like so again when i was looking up um my episode on like the taiwanese wave dramas like so 
those trendy dramas out of Japan in the late 90s, those were popular like all across Asia. But like the Japanese like television executives, it's not that they didn't want them to be broadly popular, but they, they didn't want to cater to foreign crowds because right. they were afraid that if they catered to foreign crowds, they would lose a domestic audience, which is like the number one primo most important. And I think that's the difference that people don't understand between Japanese media and, well, especially like Korean export media, who is completely yeah, exactly. catering to foreign fans. Like the Korean domestic media is completely different. It's like exists parallel to K-pop, basically. If you have, if you look at especially early days Korean wave, right, like it's pretty much everything that you can start exporting overseas that they were starting to export overseas. And they were like, hey, like it, take it, please like right, us. Like, right. Like, <laughs> is this one going to hit? Is this, it's basically just throwing yeah. spaghetti at a wall, yeah. but it's media properties and trying to see what's profitable. Yeah. And then you sort of start to see what's profitable. You have like entertainment um, companies like SM going overseas, making Boa go by herself as a child because they want to expand into this market and they want to cater to this audience and they know that they have to do it in a very certain way to be able to get there. And they have to market Korea, the country, and these entertainment properties in this very specific way to get it to play anywhere. That is like the kernel of the lack of disinterest for academia and for journalism in English. Where right. They, they don't understand that because of this, because because these things were deliberately chosen to be exported to us, what we know, our world of K-pop, is not what the domestic Korean consumer is consuming. It was very right. with very limited, like Big Bang, a group like Winner, um, you know, they, there are some there is some crossover but by and large the artists that that we know and experience as k-pop are like nothing to the korean right. domestic industry right and, or and if it is that, it's not like it's not the phenomenon that you no, think it is no and that is where the disconnect is that i when i was like looking for sources for my idol history like that like this is the problem i kept running into um where there was just no interest at all in, in this disconnect. to turn off your western goggles to fully understand you you have to go you have to experience for yourself you have to sit next to those aunties from osaka who have been doing this for years and who know like who've been following these idols since they were juniors and you have to sit next to them and let them talk at you and like you know tell you to sit down or hush at this point you have to to go to the venue yourself 
Um, like, so when I went to see, like, 17 have been popping off in Japan, like, doing numbers, right? I went to see uh, 17 in Yokohama. When I go out, when I went out to the venue, there were all these women, girls, um, outside, blankets spread with photo cards, trading photo cards, you know? So it's like, okay, yeah, 17's been doing great album sales. Um, <laughs> 17 also has a huge collector part of fandom that likes to trade cards like Pokemon. There's 13 members. Like, do the math yourself. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. that's that. And unless you go to the venue yourself and you see those girls with their blanket spread, with the photo cards out there, that, you know, 500,000 albums sold is it's just a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like when I was trying to get tickets to the end of the 2015 concert, um, like the final day, like the November 1st anniversary concert, Yeah. Um, I was standing outside, literally what my friend had told me to do back in 2008, stand outside with a sign, say you need tickets, which is something that a bunch of other girls were doing on girls and women on the way to Yoyogi. But I had been out there for hours and I was like, well, I have nothing else to do today, so that's fine. But um, that was the year that they were giving out basically little trading cards. There was a girl who was, or a woman who was like maybe 10 years younger than me who came by and was like, oh, I like, who's your favorite member? And, and I told her and she's like, oh, do you want his card? Wait, well, who was it? It was Sakamoto. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it is Sakamoto. He's, he's my number one. I could go on for hours. But um, well, he is like pretty sexy. He's fantastic. And today he's even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that same Johnny's thing where it's just dad. like, I just, <laughs> I have so many feelings, so many feelings. Um, I have respect and I have feelings, but um, it was just like, oh, like, where are you from? Like having, like talking and like sort of like making a friend. And she's like, oh, do you want his card? Like, I'm sorry, you probably can't get tickets. I'm like, yeah, it sucks. But she's like, do you want this like special card of his? And I was like, I would love that. Are you sure? Like, are you sure? So it's that same kind of thing where, again, where no one's going to take like, this experience of mine seriously but it was still very important where it's like look at this random person just being super nice to me a random gaijin standing next to yuki being like can i please get tickets to see this show yet again i don't think i've told this story on the podcast before so i'll tell it now but um again that first trip to japan um in 2014 i went to see golden bomber and i went it was like um in like a teeny tiny town like in uh kyoto ken uh yeah. it called maizuru like way out on the like, i know where that is I've you know been maizuru? There. yeah yeah, yeah it's super cute to take pictures yeah it was great yeah it's super cute right so okay so I, yeah. I like took the train out to maizuru and um i just had like my ticket was like at the back of the, it was like at the hall like it was a hall tour right so like it was mm -hmm. way at the back of the hall and i was like waiting around i was obviously the only foreigner there i'm also quite tall um, so <laughs> I, uh, stood out and, um, this mom and daughter who were there sort of struck up a conversation with me and, um, they were very kind and the mom who was probably, you know, about my age, but, um, took me under her, her wing and like helped me get like water and, um, just was like pointing me around, like showing me what to do. Yeah. And, um, we all, you know, we went in and she and her daughter had seats like up towards the front and I had the seat like way at the back. And, um, you know, I sat down, I was perfectly content, but she comes up and she says, um, you know, you came all this way, please take my seat and brings me up to sit next to her daughter. Like, 
basically, you know, 10 feet from the stage. I mean, it was like literally one of the nicest things anyone's ever done to me or done for me. And, and, you know, she didn't have to do that. I was like perfectly fine, like sitting in the back you know just happy right to it's take just it like oh in. i'm just excited to be here yeah but you know she's like i'm not a fan you're a fan like you came from america like please like take my seat and um you know and i, I sat with a daughter who i think she must have been like 18 at the time 18 or 19 like she was like in yeah. in like high school or just had graduated and um she showed me how to like do all the dances and she was like okay stand sit stand here wave your towel around oh you don't have a towel like here hold this and you know <laughs> right and, like they get you know she gave me some little trinkets and everything and she was like so like they were so nice and um uh, and i've had like that's and i've had other experiences like that and i've tried to pay it forward um you know where i could um but you know, and unless like you go to the venue yourself in the domestic context and experience it for yourself, Golden Bomber are a meme group. They're a joke. Yeah. They're like memeshte, like that's it. Like oh haha, that's hilarious. Right. But you know you go like and unless you go to the venue on the ground in like Maizuru. And you see the letterboxes, you see the girls putting their letters in the letterboxes. Um, you know, you see the goods, you buy the goods, you buy the towel, like you, you're in the, the crowd for like the show that's not recorded, like no one has their phones out, like there's no yeah. footage of this show anywhere online. <laughs> And I, I should probably um, get going in the like in the next uh, few minutes. Yeah, you're so I've got like, <laughs> like, like a whole like, just, zoo I, happening outside my door. No, you're um, fine. I, I talk and then I just keep talking. No, no, no. And you should definitely come back on because clearly we have a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> again, because we didn't any even look. We didn't even yeah. get into like what is K-pop which oh god yeah we could have that i should bring have... my best friend she did a lot like so she basically took over my baby project uh-huh. um talking about um like authenticity in oh, music yeah, yeah. like um, hook me up about, like me up. we'll have a whole we can have a whole episode and stuff like that um and this and that because she had experienced it like seeing her students when she did jet yeah. um in the middle of nowhere japan yeah um like getting interested in korea she's like what the hell like what is, is this? this and she's done like yeah. a bunch of trips back and forth and stuff like that but yeah like she had done all this yeah, so part yeah. of it is just stuff that i've done and stuff that she'd done so well, like let's I'd do love it. let's do it. like a round yeah. table discussion or yeah, something that'd absolutely. be fun like on what is k-pop yeah like i'll totally text her she yeah. she misses doing this stuff because she'd done the nation branding stuff because like i did a present like i'd gone to a presentation from the korean government yeah. in korea where they were oh, talking God. about like yeah oh it's fantastic well, no, I should like, find well, my there's one of the things that just like killed me like it just like oh my god just like put an ice pick like through my 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 eye socket like there was this um like big hit sponsored with the like korean government like like um academic conference about like all this like you know like 
K-pop and K-pop fans and like blah 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 reported with no sort of <laughs> like can you send like, me that because I will, I, I, I want to write like a long rebuttal to that and like oh send it, to my it was all watch just your, like watch your head explode just like reported like totally straight like with no thought to the fact that like this is industry propaganda right, like like, like, it doesn't mean it's meaningless it just means like you have to understand what it is you're looking or, like, at. like who's sponsoring like, this like you're not gonna mm-hmm. like take something that exxon yeah. mobil is gonna sponsor a conference saying like fossil fuels are yeah. fine yeah like which is basically what we're looking at here right. like, i'm like come on give me a break but um, right. yeah anyway um maybe we should just like wrap this up for now and uh well, t- well maybe we should table this discussion for uh yeah since i have like to. again sorry i just sort of no no no, no no i have i have talking. cats and uh, nieces banging down my door but um fine uh, <laughs> i just really wanted to like you know get something out but um but yeah so maybe we should um we'll table this at what is k-pop to be picked up um you know, I'll leave everyone like hanging in suspense. Uh, yeah. What is K-pop? What is K-pop? What is K-pop? And um, I what think we K-pop? should go How out. How did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should go out with a little song by a little group that I like to call Dynamite um, by Snap, which is the song that if you look up on Twitter or in Japanese, like with medicines and you put in dynamito that is the song that's pretty much gonna come up Yes, you could.